I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bang, bang, bang. It's podcast o'clock. Hello and welcome to In The Pocket, the bass guitar podcast where we get the low down on the low end. My name's Johnny, a totally average bass player, and each week I am joined by my marvellous co-host to talk all about that bass. Turning guest, friend, full-time session bass player, it's Chris Horrocks. Chris, my friend, how are you? All right, my love. Oh, yeah, not bad. Not bad, myself. How are you? Very good. I'm very good, thank you. Just uh, enjoying this lovely... Are we allowed to tell the people what day we record these? Oh, it's Saturday morning, the podcast is out in... We're recording it live. As you hear it, we are recording it. No edits whatsoever go into this. We we play the musical interludes as well. Yeah, and it's really hard having to play it, speak, and, like, fade the volume out of the intro. That is really difficult. Yeah, that that drummer we hire... Is really expensive as well. <laughs> uh, can you, mate? We're trying to trying to do a podcast here. Can you be quiet? They never shut. Do you, do you mind? I'm trying to tune my guitar. Jamie, Jamie, can you pull that up? I'm trying to tune my guitar. Can you not? <laughs> the classic yeah. buggers. Um, have you had a bass filled week? What have you been up to? I actually have had a bass filled week. Um, it's Thursday morning at the moment. No, it's not. It's Thursday afternoon. But it feels like morning for me because I've been awake for two hours. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, no, it's been good. Uh, I've just been practicing uh, just for some gigs at the weekend, just learning some songs, going over a set for an originals artist that I play for, which has not been announced yet. <laughs> Big things coming soon and all that. So just been going through that. So that's been going good. Busy, busy, busy. Gigs are starting to pick up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, not a lot of people get married in January and February. And not a lot of bars want to pay for entertainment in January and February because, well, what's the point? Because it's January and February. So that's starting to pick up a little bit. My cat's just walked straight through. Hopefully that picked up on the microphone. I actually saw a cat walking behind you, so I could have preempted Did you? Yeah, I could have preempted that. But that That's quite impressive considering the angle I've got this webcam, but fair enough. It was in the garden. He's six two. Wait, was he outside? A minute, just a minute ago. Does he just come back in? Yeah. So when we first got on the call, he went out, and he's just come back in. I was going to say because I I saw a cat in the back garden, and then I was like, wait, is that is that a different cat? <laughs> was it a, a fox or something? I just saw <laughs> some kind of panther. No, 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 no. Same cat. Yeah, yeah. It's the same cat. Uh, he just goes in and out all day. This is not relevant, Johnny. But um. Yeah, it's been good. How about you? Nice, nice. Yeah, it's been pretty good, thanks. A uh, couple of big things coming soon moments, which was fun. And I went up to Birmingham um, for the uh, Guitar Show UK, or what it's called. I think that's what it's called. Um, yeah, it's basically just a big guitar show in, in Birmingham where loads of companies come together, show off their new products. A bit, bit like a NAM, a mini NAM. 
um, showing off new and existing products from different retailers and things like that. And yeah, it was it was awesome. I was able to meet loads of people. Um, and what are you laughing at? It's just you said you said <laughs> you said mini mini nam, which then made me think of mini naan as in naan bread. And then because I've been rewatching Peep Show, I just got four naan, Jeremy. That's insane. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. No, your that's a story. worthwhile inclusion. Anything peep show related, bring it on. A- absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was really cool. I um, you know, took took a base up with me. Uh, met met previous podcast guests, Matt Parker and Danny Higgins. So that was cool to put some faces to names and uh, uh, just yeah, meet me out with the the Lewind gang. And uh, yeah, we we you were sorely missed, Chris. It was a good time. Well, that's it's it's really good of you to lie like that. I appreciate it. It feels good. Um, I would have loved to come. It would be nice to actually meet the person that I do a podcast with every few weeks. Um, that's not worry. That would be nice. That's not worry the magic. Eh? No, this is a catfish situation. I think <laughs> you're not a real person. <laughs> no. AI generated content creator. Well, I've never seen you from the nipples down. So this is true. Do you want to see them? I'd, do you want to see them now? Yeah, go on then. Ah! <laughs> my god robot nothing but robot parts down there good lord shall we um go on to our first question yeah that's probably a good idea let's do that it's time for question one jonathan dibble that's me what are your thoughts on concentric pot slash stacked torn knobs on jazz basses Oh, do they make a diff? Do they, do they, does they make diff? Um, so, not exclusive to jazz basses. Um, my Jaguar actually has this on it. So, for those that don't know, what we're talking about is when you have independent volume and tone controls for each pickup. So, it's not just a master tone and two volumes, like your standard setup. It's a volume for each and a tone for each, and they're just stacked on top of each other. Um I've had a couple of bases like this. Uh, like I said, the the vintage modified Jaguar that I've got at the minute, and I, oh, what else do I have? The Paranormal Series Jazz Bass from Squire. Uh, you see a lot of like vintage P bases. I think the Flea Bass has this as well, the Jazz. I honestly, like people are like, oh yeah, it adds loads more tonal possibilities because you're not just doing it tone for all of it, it's for each one. Whenever, so I've done it a couple of times where I've AB'd like, oh, tone up on one and tone off on the other and vice versa i can't hear a difference <laughs> can i hear the slightest bit of difference it just goes in it just sounds like the tones off in in uh when that happens i i don't think personally i mean if i'm rolling the tone off it's normally in like a p-based situation with a single pickup so i'm never really doing i'm never really using those stacked tone knobs honestly unless i'm just soloing a p pickup or something but for, so for me i don't really think they make that much of a difference um it's probably just a feature that to market <laughs> from from vendor and squire's point of view but I, i've never really used them in that way and even when like turning them down a little bit the way the pickups phase it just i i don't think you you, you know when you roll off the because i like the idea of it i like the idea of having like a pj setup or, or jazz bass and then rolling off the tone a little bit of the 
bridge so that you get like a bit of a less brightness maybe that you might want and but i just don't think it makes that much difference I'd, it's not really for me overall um i'd be happy to hear someone else's argument i'm sure sonically perhaps it does but ice to my ear certainly i can't really i don't get the clarity of the p staying in place with the subbiness of the the j you know i don't really feel it so my answer is no i agree have you had experience with any of these no i'm just thinking i'm just trying to just go through pretty much nearly every bass i've played or used or owned which isn't that many no i really can't think of anything i'm also trying to think of a scenario where i could benefit from having individual control over the tone the tone knob for each pickup independently and i just can't think of a reason why i would prefer that over just a tone knob for both sorry for in total is what i mean yeah just can't think of a reason really i mean it cool you went very brummy then oh did i Ooh. i know you're not from birmingham but it sounded like it wow well you'll be finding a new host for uh next week <laughs> don't you keep my keep my wife's name out your out damn goddamn mouth oh um nah it's not for me i just don't i'm a firm believer of if there's no practical use for it i'm just not interested in having it yeah and to be honest realistically there is actually only one bass i even touch the tone control for and it's my go down with flats because sometimes i'll take the tone all the way off and i'll play with my right hand close to the neck and that's the closest I can get to kind of like a double bass kind of tone. Yeah. I, I'm I'm the same. It's just with my Mustang, that sounds great with the tone rolled off or at like 75%. You know, that's my favorite kind of sound from that. So it doesn't appeal to me either. I can understand. I can understand like the, I feel like maybe if it was, if there was like a series and parallel switch or something for that kind of setup, you could get some in, more interesting sounds. I think just the way that the pickups phase when they're wired, in a standard format doesn't really have that much benefit i don't think no i mean yeah i think we're both in conclusion there's not really any point for it and even i was just trying to think from a guitar perspective as well because i own guitars that have two volumes two tones yes well like well yeah because that's that's very true because it's like a um there's ball you know yeah two volume two tone yeah um and even then i've never used i've never used the tones i've used two volumes so I've had the bridge pick up on full volume and then I've clicked it over to the neck, which is already set at a much quieter volume and maybe even turned a single coil on if it has that. And then that's been the clean and then the bridge has been the sort of full bore bitey. But that's not something you need to do as a bass player. That's just not... Well, I mean, you can do that if you want, but I I just don't really see the benefit of doing that in th with this instrument. That's kind of a big difference between guitar and bass. Yeah, I think we've answered all we need to say here. Cool, if you can find a use for it. If you can find a use for it, let us know, because I was just quickly ragging my head and thinking, never going to need to do that. No, I, I'm in agreement. But hey, taste change. Who knows? Next week, we might both love them. We'll come back and be like, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm toned off from both. <laughs> That's how it's meant to be used. Let's move on uh, to the news. It's the news. We're uh, hearing the news. Um, do you know what? I am I'm a sucker for this segment because I love gear and seeing what new stuff is coming out each week is just, just fills me with joy. 
Um, and it's been quite a, a news-heavy week this week, I think. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, some pedal news. So Zoom, uh, Zoom been going for so long, uh, and they always had in my my head like just a bad reputation. Like I never always write really cheap, you know. Uh, but they've actually been making moves over the years. I think, yeah, I think doing some fantastic work because they have brought out, they've unveiled the new B2 for multi effects pedal. So this is kind of similar. People might be familiar with their like B3 that they released. It's essentially like their version of, you know, the Line 6 Helix, uh, but in a more compact one, slightly less features perhaps, but just primarily bass focused. So, you know, fantastic. Um, And this one is just a kind of upgrade of that. It looks a bit sleeker. Uh, it's got more functions and even more built in. We've got 11 amp models, 11 preamps, six different DIs, you know, for all different cabs, 82 eff- or an additional 82 effects compared to the previous one. So absolutely stacked out. It's got uh, three stomps on there as well. So you can either go up and down through presets or uh, turn on and off pedals within your chain. I had a B3 previously that I was going to demo, but... It was one of those things I just put in the backlog of gear to get round to, and I just never did because it would have been a hefty video and a lot of work. And I was like, oh, I've got I've got other things that I think will perform better that I just need to concentrate on. So, but that doesn't take away from the quality of it because it was really, really good. Um, I just didn't have time for it in the end. The only thing I don't like from the looks of this is the name. So it's called the B24, but it's the letter B, the number two, and then the word four. <laughs> so confusing. So good one, Zoom. Good one. Um, have you had much experience with Zoom over the years? The first thing I ever plugged a guitar into was a little Zoom, um, like, like pod kind of style thing. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> um, but I was 12, so who cares? Yeah, like this looks all right. I like. I'm a. I'm a firm believer of. I'm a big fan of anything that gets people into things like effects and processing and sort of learning more about an instrument, especially if it sounds good. Like if it's, if it's like a hunk of crap, and it's essentially a bit of a rip off. Like it's three hundred quid and it's not very good. I really don't like stuff like that. I think it's not fair on. The people this is probably marketed to are maybe teenagers or people who don't want to spend loads of money on, you know, they don't want to buy a Helix. They don't want to buy, they don't want to spend nearly two grand on a quad cortex yeah, or something, but they want something they can play around with and be like, what is chorus? You know, that kind of thing. And they can, I'm a big fan of stuff like this. So if this is good, Especially for what two hundred and fifty pounds? Yeah, it's about two on Toman at the minute. It's two hundred and forty. They also I didn't realize they also do a B six, which is like a w- way more complicated one for three hundred and fifty. So not much that much more money. But yeah, you're getting essentially for that like the full Helix experience, but for like the HX Stomp price and things like that. So they are a more affordable alternative, and it is primarily base focused. So you're actually getting loads more in terms of value for money in there. Um, and yeah, I think the it sounds really good. Um, if you look up like the Zoom B3, there's loads of stuff uh, that Andrew has done on YouTube. Um, that's um, AMP, the bass player, and doing loads of like sounds like videos. And it's such a v- versatile bit of gear. 
Um, and I had the slightly older one and I just thought it sounded really good. But it never really, because I had the Line 6 as well, which is a bit smarter with how it, there's a bit more you can do with it. Um, I kind of just, just concentrated on that really. But uh, I, I made a mistake, sorry. It's called the 4 because it has four uh, stomps on it, not three. My mistake. The image was cut off. Yeah, Andrew's uh, Andrew's um, tone videos are really good. Uh, like that Jason Newstead one sounds amazing, and the Duff McKagan one sounds amazing too. Like I listened to his Duff McKagan one and then tried to recreate it in the quad cortex. And this is the thing, right? I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, the Sans amp on that Zoom unit. I actually think it's a little bit better than the Sans amp that's in the Quad Cortex. You know what? It's really interesting that you say that because I think the same about the HX Stomp. I definitely think the Sans, they got the Sans amp better than that. And that's why I've got a Sans amp on my board along with the HX Stomp because I just I, yeah, it just doesn't sound that much like a Sans amp, I don't think. Or didn't give me that quality that I wanted. Yeah, the Sans amp in the Quad Cortex, I've really tried. There's captures of people capturing the sounds amp and putting it in the chain that's amazing sounds absolutely amazing there's like a random preset that i found or a random capture that someone who i don't know has just uploaded where it's the svt one you know the one that's meant to be modeled on like an svt oh yeah yeah with a cab sim and then that is one yeah and that's one capture you do that and you blend your di in as well it's like that's one of the best like bass amp tones i've ever heard it sounds amazing but then the actual so just so people are aware with the quad cortex you've got captures which are just a snapshot of something so it's like if you get your dark glass alpha omega pedal you put the blend on this the drive on this the eq on this your alpha omega at one o'clock you can do a capture or a snapshot of what the pedal is in that current moment and recall that at a later date and it's pretty bang on to be fair I've I've done lots of tests and gone, yeah. And the only reason I've, n- I've been able to tell the difference is like I'm in a studio, isolated at really loud volumes, and I'm sat there. We're all sat there listening for the problem. At a gig, no one's going to tell. On an on a recording, no one's going to tell. So they have that, and then as a side note, they have pedals. So they have a Sans amp pedal where you load it up and you've got your blend, your treble, your presence, your drive. And you can turn them in real time as if it was the actual digital pedal, the digital version of the pedal. Um, the Sans that one, just not very good, I think. It just seems to be too scooped. Sure. And it just doesn't really... I've never set it in a way where I've gone, sounds good. That's the one. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it is. They've just got a special, special flavour, haven't they, that is obviously difficult to replicate. I found when trying to get the, the free plug-in sans amp i can't remember who it's by but there's a tse audio i think it is um you can get it you can download it for logic as well it's really good but i had to do some eqing to get it to sound the same as standard sans amp and i found that doing a big big like high mid scoop is was the key to to get it to where it needed to be um yeah so that i was associate that sound with sans amps um anyway zoom b24 I feel like you have to put a gap between B2 and 4. Because then everyone's going to... I'm going to be sat there Googling Zoom B24. Yeah. Actually, I wonder what that is. I bet it's like a plane or something. Maybe. Oh, true. Actually, it's, I, yeah, oh, my it's God, like a, it is. <laughs> is it a plane? It's a plane. I just... <laughs> I just... 
Wow, that was just a complete guess. The B-24 Liberator. Liberator. Wow. Looks American like big... made, yeah? Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, probably. It looks like a big bomber. Wow. Okay. How funny. You learn, you learn uh, something new every day, don't you? Absolutely. If you want just plain good bass tones, get yourself the Zoom B-2-4. Um, moving on to the next bit of news. Guild. Guild Starfire. Short-scale, semi-hollow bass. Been on the market for years now. Um, they have just released it in a new colour. It previously came in walnuts and red, uh, like a cherry red. And now it is in fan favourite Pelham Blue. Um, and with a Johnny Dibble special, like cream slash white pickup as well. Now, normally, this sounds like it would have my name written all over, but I actually don't like it that much. I actually kind of prefer the the walnut one still. Um, Interesting. I wish they kind of did a few more colours along with it, not just this one, because I, I'm telling you, I am in the market for a Guild Starfire. That's the one base I want right now. So it's funny timing that they've done this, uh, because I tried it at the, the base... The, the guitar show in Birmingham and that is the bass that I nearly came home with I nearly bought it there and then for a retail price um, but I was like Ooh, I'll see if I can speak to Guild or I'll see if I can find one used or something like that first because I didn't really want to splash the cash it's only £550 and so is the new colour one as well but yeah what a vibe this bass has I cannot wait to get one uh, in my hands for real you know because um, it would be like the five minutes I had with it I absolutely loved it um, so I'm excited but yeah now it's in blue so there we go what what do you think? I really like it yeah nice <laughs> it does look good I I just don't prefer it this this might be my gateway drug into tiny bases oh my gosh well it that's a good one actually because it's a tiny base but it's also like a big base as well because it's got a bigger body so it might be I do. I, I will say though, I do like the red one as well. It kind of, kind of look at it and go, I want to get that. I want to put it into like an old SVT and a big muff, and I want to play Little Sister by Queens of the Stone yes. Age. Yes. Or I want to put really heavy round wound strings on and or really heavy, really heavy flats and tune it down to like D standard and just sit there going da na 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 na. Play like um. I want you so bad by the Eagles of Death Metal, or something like that. Yeah, I think you're getting it. You're get you're getting the short scale thing. Exactly. I'll never do it. I'll never do it. But still, um, okay, it's that vibe that's the that I'm like, oh, yeah, so good. Um, and this bass provides exactly that. I really like that kind of sound on the Jack Cassidy by Epiphone that I reviewed. Amazing bass. Um, and this one kind of combined that with the short scale thing as well. So I'm fully on board to getting one of these so guild <laughs> head us up come on let's do it it does look good let's move on to the next bit of news um we're going into fender territory now it's been a big week for fender first of all uh the quickest one i suppose we've got new uh colors and options for both the jaguar um player series base and the player plus so the jaguar now comes in a surf green which is a brilliant addition and a it's not fiesta red i think it's just red they called it or something like that um 
specifically. It's available now in Just Red. Just Red. That sounds like a band or something. Just Red. Simply. Yeah, Simply. It comes in Simply Red. So yeah, um, I love a Jaguar. I think the Surf Green one will really sell. Um, I don't really rate the red one that much. Palfair Neck, I think it just looks fine. You know, I think they would have been better doing like a Fiesta Red or something, or something that's a more classic look with like the tall pickguard or something like some a little spin on it like that. But I suppose that's more like Fender Special Run style of bass. So, you know, uh, my still my favorite modern Jaguar they've done has been this Special Run all black one, the matching headstock. Woo! That thing looks awesome. That's why I changed my pickguard on my Jaguar to be black. The Squire to like replicate that because it looks so good. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, all up for new colours. That's great. A bigger bit of news, I think, is that they are now doing the Player Plus in left-handed as well. Woohoo! Good. You know, great for, um, for all those lefties out there. It is, I did a video on, like, top base brands for left-handed players and it is that was hard to make because there are not there's not much on the market and we all know why it's the the demand and the the cost of to produce them you know is obviously higher because you're doing it in smaller quantities etc etc but yeah obviously the player plus has sold enough that they think yes it is worth us financially to now make left-handed models you know so nothing but good news all around in my opinion are you gonna buy a left-handed one for the sake of it uh, probably not, uh, but that doesn't mean people who are left-handed shouldn't buy them. Exactly. Um, I'd actually really like to play the, uh, a player plus. I've not, no, I have played one. Yes, I have played one and it felt really good. <laughs> um, I was thinking of the Meteora for a second, which is kind of similar price range. Uh, the player plus is like there, it's like American spec, but just made in Mexico. So you're paying like half the price for the labor. Um, so, yeah, in, interesting move from Fender. But, yeah, all, all here for more inclusivity and more availability of those models for left-handed players. So, great. Let's move on to another big bit of news from Fender, uh, which is a new bass amp. Um, not sure if you saw this. The Adam Clayton ACB50 all-valve 50-watt combo. Uh, Adam Clayton... Uh, he has had a signature jazz bass with Fender before, I think. P bass. Was he? I thought it was a jazz. Oh, I might be wrong, actually. He's got like a matching headstock jazz that's in like a a weird like greeny colour, I think. Um, he might have had, might have had a P bass. Well, he's playing a P bass in the promotional material. Yes, like a, a blue one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this, it it's a 1x15 combo uh, and... It costs a lot of money. <laughs> this is like two grand for a 50-watt bass combo. Doesn't that just seem wild? Now, I that's what I thought on the set. Like, this is crazy. What? Looking at the back of it and the tubes that are in it, okay, I can see that this is something totally different to what you'd expect from a 50-watt combo normally, but... It's a weird product, like 50 watts. I know it's all valve, but I don't know. It might my mind is just, I I like 500 watts for like my bass amps or like I wouldn't, for, for gigging, I wouldn't go below 200. Now, of course, those are solid states. 
Yes, Mr. Dibble. Um, different different rules. Yes. Now, can you please, because I'm not too, that's my kind of realm. So I'm not too familiar with these kind of rules and people at home might not be either. So can you give us a quick um, chat about what those rules are? Basically, this will be really loud. So the thing is, it's the power amp and you've got different classes on the power amp. So the kind of amps that me and you tend to use. So for example, my dark glass head is 900 watts with a class D power amp, which is what most bass amps, you know, things like this. I believe the Laney Digbeth is a class D power amp. Um, Quite a lot of stuff by Harkey. It's a variation on a solid state power amp, which means you need something like four five six seven eight nine hundred watts a proper valve svt is not 900 watts it's way 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 less i think it's like than the 100 watt range kind of thing but it's with a valve preamp so in this case it's things like the a um what's it called uh, the 12 ax7 yeah power amp and in fact this has yeah so this has a trio of 12 a ax7 power amps and 6L6 power tubes. Basically, this is the same wattage as like a proper valve guitar amp. Yes. So, still be curious. Uh, guitar territory or guitar language there as there. Yeah, this is yeah, this is guitar land. I'm curious to see how loud it would actually go. But basically, 50 watt, this would be like a class A power amp. Kind of like a proper, inner quartz, proper valve amp. Yeah, this thing will be well loud. Like, it'll be really loud. But again, it's still a weird thing because Adam ain't playing this live. No. I don't think he's playing this live. That's going to be heavy. And also, he's not... Well, it's not his problem because he's not carrying it. But also, you two are not going to tour with combo amps. It's going to be rack stuff straight into the PA. You know, in-ears, all that sort of stuff. But this is cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I would like to try one, but I would never pay two grand for this. I just don't... I just, I just don't need it. Um... But I really rate Adam Clayton as a bassist. He is a criminally underrated bass player. Like, U2 songs have got cool bass lines. Like, really clever stuff. So, yeah, he's a good bass player. Is this a bit of a, Adam, you've got a signature bass, do you want an amp too? Yeah, (laughs) go on then. He's gone, Fender, can can you make me this? And they're like, maybe we could sell it? And they're like, okay. I mean, he probably could. I mean... You two aren't exactly a small band. What they had like twenty, yeah, twenty-two Grammys, one hundred and fifty million album sales. I'm still bitter that they put that single on my iPod. They didn't put a single on, mate. They gave you a whole album that no one asked for. Wow, that is a bit cheeky. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for that. Did you listen to it? I didn't. Nope. I deleted it from my Apple library immediately. Spiked. I was like, ah, how dare you? Exactly. Well, I have to play quite. I. As you can probably imagine, I play with or without you quite a lot um, at weddings and stuff like that and um, still haven't found what I'm looking for. They're a good band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't doubt yeah. that. Um, it's got two inputs on this as well. For So I'm just looking at the panel. It's, sorry, it's, it's grey and white, so it's very small on my screen. Volume, treble, middle. There's a mid-frequency, a bass, a second batch of inputs. And then a volume, a treble, and another bass. Yeah, so apparently it's one of them is like that warm, tubey sound, and one is more like a hi-fi 
kind of sound. So you've got oh cool different kind of tones in here available. Um, yeah, pretty cool. That is probably one of the biggest tubes I've seen in an amp. If you look at the back of it, it's huge. Yeah, we're just in, it's just guitar amp territory. That's kind of it's quite it's quite literally like a Fender like Deville that they've turned into a bass amp. Yeah. Looks good though. It would it will sound amazing. Like that will sound really, really good. I really want to. I've not done any deep dives on other tones from it because I've only heard that promotional material one, and it's like it's not my thing. Like what's being played and the sound. I was like, you know, I was like, ah, uh, that doesn't really excite me. Um, but I would love to hear some other genres played through it or see what what it can do because there's no doubt that that is going to be able to do a lot and just be like the warmest tone you've ever felt yeah. before it'd be nice to record through that i reckon that sounds really good yeah and the weight of it just sit in the studio exactly because i'm not i'm not putting that in my car that will weigh a lot <laughs> but it's not the best bit of fender news no it's not we because go that's on, the next bit we go on to the next bit the most exciting bit which is a brand new signature model the troy sanders precision bass oh baby so Troy Sanders has had the Jaguar bass before. We all know it and love it. He's had a Squire one before as well, the Jaguar as well. Uh, classic Troy Sanders look with the silver burst. He's now brought it over to the P bass. This is a uh, PJ configuration. Man, everyone's going mad about this because it just looks so good. What were your first impressions when you saw it? I, I, I can't think of anything witty to say. When I, when I saw it, I was literally like, Oh my god, this is so cool! Yes, yeah, it looks great. I'm just on the. I'm just having a quick look. I want to know what the pickups are. Yeah, because um, he's has he had EMGs in there before? I know they they look similar to that because they're they haven't got pole pieces on them. Like no magnets. Are they EMGs or are they not? Um, I'm just. I kind of don't think they are. You know. No, I don't. I, especially if it's in a Fender Six. Oh no, they do do external pickups in Fender Six. Um, I'm just trying to have a look as well because there is. Oh some... yeah, yeah. Because um, what's his face from Amphrax? Oh no, that's a Charvel. My bad. Yes, yes. No, um, I know um, Nick Mandel has quarter pounders in his one. Correct. Just trying to find the specs on it now. Bloody close me a tab, and I. Uh, it just says the signature Troy Sanders pickups. Oh, okay. So I think they might just be. I think they might just be Fender's own. It's an active bass. Yes, because what are the? Can you read through the controls that we've got in there? Custom voiced 18 volt preamp with high mass vintage bridge. Um, where's my actual bits on the controls? It doesn't tell me. I, I'm not. I'm not on the Fender website. I'm on Bass Magazine. I've just got on it now, so I'm just having a look. It's real. It's a really cool looking bass. It yeah, looks man. really, and I and I really like. I like Mastodon a lot. So cool. So the on Fender's website, the highlights for the preamp they say boasting high headroom and precise tone shaping because it's a P bass. This preamp provides the punch, clarity, and robust robust low end that anchors Mastodon's massive sound. Nice. Um, okay, the controls are master volume. A pan pot, so that's for the pickup selection. Uh, treble boost and cut, bass boost and cut, and then yeah, just an active um, passive mini toggle. So pretty standard in terms of control layout for an active a PJ bass. So nothing too fancy going on, but yeah, I just absolutely love this. The matching headstock, block inlays, looks insane. String through, string through body as well. 
one thing I really actually like, which I would love to see more of, just a small detail, is just the different, it's the control plate. It's got, it's not like a standard P-Base where the pit guards goes all the way around the body and has like, yeah. um, has the controls built into it. It's got its own metal control plate, just like, you know, like a Jaguar would. So I suppose he's trying to bring his Jaguar just into the P-Base shape. And yeah, it works so well. I've seen a couple of other companies do something similar with their P-Base copies and I absolutely love it. So very cool indeed. It looks great. Also, the knobs just look so cool as well. Nice. You know me. Nice knob. Nice cock. <laughs> nice dongs on that base. Um, it comes in as well, this base, at uh, what I'm seeing on Fender's website is $1,500. So it's not actually like too bad. It's a, I'm seeing online it's about £1,400 um, roughly. So for an artist model too bad really i you know the artist models sometimes go up way above two grand so uh that's that's pretty good i'm just trying to see i'm assuming this is american made i am also assuming it was american made but 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 is it <laughs> made in korea china what no it's not what it's not can you imagine oh i thought you were telling the truth then <laughs> no no I'm, I'm i can't see it on here but i'm just going to assume that it is american made because oh yeah it would be really funny because obviously the answer this, to this question actually dictates if we think it's worth the money. Because obviously if this is made in Korea, we're going to be like, get out. get. I'm not paying 1,500 quid for a base made in Korea. Yeah, absolutely. That Even Mexican is a big push. Oh, massively. I mean, we are getting Mexican bases cost that amount of money, but like with the Player Plus range, but for a signature one, like, mm. nah, surely not. Also, in the promo, one of the promo images on on um, on Base Magazine, it looks like he's playing it into like an Aguilar 410, but then it kind of looks like a dark glass element, not element, the E500. Okay. Do you think that's the kind of go-to amp at the minute? I don't know, but it doesn't look like, um, it doesn't look like an Aguilar head. Interesting. But also, I don't know what Aguilar heads look like. So Ooh, well, I've been big into Ag- I've been big into Aguilar heads at the minute. Interesting. Um, I can't find this anywhere. Oh well, that maybe they're trying to hide it. <laughs> oh, in fact, I don't tell you why I haven't looked. It's on the back of the headstock. If I can find, oh, it. there is a picture of the back of the headstock yeah. somewhere. Oh, it's just guys. It's just guys sig on it. It's just got his name. Yeah, maybe they're hiding this. That would be but, bad. Yeah, this is it. This is interesting. We've unlocked the conspiracy here. It's actually made in vietnam right it's made in a wheelie bin in glasgow no i can't see it the back plate doesn't say anything there's nothing on the neck i'm gonna assume it's american made but there we go um shall we move on to the next segment let's move on to the next segment jonathan dibble it's time for another question Question numero two. Question numero two, no. Nice. If, nice. If you had to choose just one pedal to take to a gig, what would it be? Well, this is interesting. A Digitech Whammy. Uh, yeah, that's all I need. The Zoom B2. Four. Four. Um, I do think that this totally depends on... A Quad Cortex. <laughs> loophole. <laughs> Done. Well, no, because that, that comes into it. Because, like... 
We can't. No, no I, we can't say a multi-effects we unit. We take a multi-effects out. No, okay. I think that's totally fair. To be fair, because I was like, Aha, I've already got it. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. So I was actually thinking about this because I'm looking at changing up my live app setup at the minute again. Uh, hey, hasn't been that long, okay? But yes, I get. And I was thinking, like, actually, what with the new one I get? What pedals do I actually want or need in front of the amp? Or what? do I normally just get away with and what do I use I'm not a big user of effects so from my perspective the only pedal I'm going to be using is either some kind of preamp um, or a distortion overdrive those are really the only two that I'm thinking about I don't really use modulation or those kind of effects Mm. on my tone I even with distortion nowadays I'm running quite a distorted clean the tone in parentheses you know just the standard tone is pretty driven and then i have like an extra bit for a bit of source on top so for me it's probably going to be one of those two um i'm kind of fighting out in my mind at the minute i mean we spoke about sans amps because i uh, people audience members will know i'm a big fan of a sans amp um and it can make kind of any amp sound good or like improve it loads i think even if you're going through like somebody's cheap rubbish combo put the sands amp in front it can really help (laughs) big time i think um so i'm tempted to say that and then you can have that as a drive as well if you wanted to but then i've also got two other pedals here that i'd like to talk about in a minute so i'll let i was going to say sands amp for now and then i'll get on to more other stuff so take the floor chris what are you thinking tuner oh (laughs) this guy see you can tell you can tell someone here doesn't gig as much as I do. Bloody mm. hell. I'm assuming... You assume wrong! I'm assuming, okay, that we don't need a tuner, that you're perfectly in tune. I mean, I am, thank you. I mean, if I could if I could actually only take one, it would probably just be like a tuner. But I'm actually having this sort of thought process at the moment because my a lot of my bar gigs, I don't bring my actual pedal board to the gig. Because you don't need to. And also, for anyone who's played bar gigs, there's a pretty high chance a pint's going to go across the room at some point, or stuff gets broken really... Like, I've had more stuff almost get broken in, like, bar and pub gigs than... um, I'm going to call them nice gigs. Which doesn't mean... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The ones aren't nice. They're just slightly less couth, a bit more uncouth. So yeah, I also and also 
when you play, like, say, a theatre or a holiday park or a bigger established venue, there's a gap between the audience and you. Yeah. So there's less chance something's going to go wrong. Imagine being in the pit at a theatre gig and someone's pint somehow makes its way down. Ah! Ruddy hell! <laughs> uh, good God, man. So, yeah, when I do the bar gigs, there's, a, you know, people are putting, like, the drinks on the stage, these kind of things. So don't bring the full pedal board, which realistically is my wireless and the quad cortex. It's on the floor in front of me. But I don't want to bring that. So I bring a tuner. I just bring the tuner. But I would, there is two things I'm starting to miss. One is a compressor, because I'm kind of missing... Like I'm missing something that will, will not only kind of tame the inconsistencies in strings anyway, uh. but also when you do a bar gig, you play for a long time. And I get tired... So basically, so basically, I can feel that after about two hours of playing, two maybe three hours, I'm starting to have to really try to like kind of keep the attack of my playing with my fingers. So a compressor would be nice to kind of keep it even all the all the time, something like that. Yeah, and then some some sort of like preamp or drive would be quite cool. So are you not using compression already on your amp setup at the minute? No, because the amp I the amp I do my regular gigs at, the bar, sorry, that I do my regular gigs at, is just a, f- a big Fender rumble. Ah, I see. There's no compression. Oh, so, so you're not using your head in this scenario? No, I don't take that. I just show up with the bass. Sure. Okay. And it's a really good amp. So yeah, 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 they're great. So this really is applicable to your situation then, because it's like, oh, actually... What? Oh, yeah, because if I was if I was bringing my, my dark glass amp... I would put a little bit of drive on, turn the compressor on, and then I wouldn't need anything. That's what I was thinking. This 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 question does kind of depend on what you are bringing to the table as well. Like, what does the amp have? What does it not have? You know. Um, but so your scenario is actually, I think, where where we should take this from. It's like, yeah, the amp is as it is. It's got nothing on it, however. So what would you use? Yeah. Um, my other one that I'm thinking is like, uh, the Dark Glass Alpha Omega. That seems to be like a really nice always on at the minute to give me that bit of drive. Um, and it can actually take pretty bland sounding clean tones to a new level, I think, with the it's got the um yeah the three bands uh EQ system on there as well. Uh and then just messing around with the drive and the, the blending between the two is quite a functional drive pedal. It's not just crazy, I don't think. Um you can make it go crazy, but it can be a bit more tamed as well. So that would be another choice. Um, so yeah, the other option I was thinking, I'm looking at it now, is the Origin Effects bass rig, um, which has been a really nice addition. But that's kind of just like a clean preamp that you just DI with the cab sim on it. So I'm I'm not really going to use that one for this. If I had to choose, I'm probably going to... Overall, I think I'm still going to say Sans app just because I love them so much. I think even I would, and I don't own a Zanzamp, and I would still be like, probably something like a Zanzamp. I think what we're kind of saying is, a preamp of some description is probably what we'd both go for. Yeah. What I would actually go for, and I am almost even considering this, despite the fact that I own a Quad Cortex, is getting one of those bad water DIs that our good old friend Matthew Parker has. Yes, there's one for sale in Bristol at the minute. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know how much are how much are they new? They can't be cheap. No, they're like three hundred odd, I think. Um, oh, that's not too bad. Dude, um, well, that's a that's a preamp with a drive, 
and, and a compressor. compressor. Yeah, they're two. They're two seventy at the minute on GAC. There you go. New. Yeah. Wow, that's not bad. Yeah. So you've got low, low, mid, high, mid, high. The drive sustain. You know, you've got loads on the here, and they're meant to be really good. So, and yeah, that's that's a good point to make because this one you can turn the drive on and off a bit like the um, dark glass, like. Uh, the ultras you know that you can have that control on it as well so maybe something like that would be good if you want the option of adding drive in and out um which often i do so that's good i do that's not too that's not too bad actually i think if i got a lot of regular work coming in where i didn't want to use the quad cortex which is quite unlikely because the, the regular work that's showing up in my diary now is things i would take the quad cortex to but if i had the money and I had like a lot of bar gigs, like a lot of gigs. So it's like, I want something little that'll just go in my gig bag and off we go. Uh, that and a tuner. That and a clip on tuner. Clip on chip this guy. This guy. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like as many little things on the floor as possible. Well, I think we've, we've answered that pretty well. Nice. It's got me, it's got me excited. I bloody love a good pedal. Oh, I love a good, I love a good preamp, me. Love a good preamp. Oh, anything post, post amp. No thanks. Just pre. Nice. Get lost. Effects loop. Get in the bin. No thanks. Let's move on to the next segment. Um, it's time for the next segment. It's one of my favourite segments because it's called That Tone You Own. Each week, one of us brings along a tone that we're just enjoying at the minute or something new that we've got our hands on. Uh, and yeah, we just show it off, talk about it and uh, and why we like it, etc. and break it down. Um, lovely Chris Horrocks has brought along a tone today. Um, do you want to set it up at all or should we just dive straight in? That's a good question. How about I'll set it up and then we'll dive straight in. Nice. Go for it. So Neva, basically. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a little bit of a work in progress tone that I sorted out literally yesterday evening quite quickly. It's going to be the live tone for an artist that I'm going to be playing for a lot in the back end of this year and onwards. That I'm not allowed to talk about yet, which has been which has been quite quite enjoyable actually. Big things coming soon. Big things, literally big things coming soon. Because it actually is. Like, it's actually good things. It's not just pub stuff, I promise. I'm an actual professional musician, Johnny. I promise you. <laughs> Sorry. I promise. Don't laugh at me. Yeah, so it's a, it's a work in progress tone. What you're about to hear is literally the quad cortex, straight into logic, and it's my Godan with flats. So uh, we shall play it now, and then we will talk about it.
lovely, lovely, lovely. I can tell straight away. I was like, that's the Godan. That's with, that's with flats for sure. Uh, sounds great. Flats with like a bit of drive on it. It's just, it's just a mood, you know. It is a vibe. Um, so what, what kind of, you know, I can hear the riff going on there. What kind of genre is this though? And what is it? Uh, what's the idea behind this tone? What you, what you after? So with this, it's kind of a slightly one up from classic rock. So it it's it's heavy alive. This is kind of the live sound. The the riff stem that I've heard of the recording is a lot more chill than this. There's way less drive. It's kind of like just a clean SVT kind of tone. Yeah. Which is good, but when we were working through the tunes it was just like I just want more. Like I just want more because the guitars in particular for this this artist look quite overdriven, but they're like a fuzzy overdriven. So there's lots of low mids, there's lots of it's you know, they both both guitarists sound fantastic. Like it sounds great, but with the bass, I noticed if I followed suit and went for more of a slightly warmer vintage tone, it just sounded a bit muffled. Uh. So, in isolation, you might think it's a bit bitey. Like in that top end, there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of 4K knocking around. I've noticed in that tone, even with flats, it's quite bright. But I've done that deliberately because once we got in the room, it was like I'm just 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 above the other guitarist and kind of punch him through with the pick. It's important to know what frequencies they're hitting and what like where your gap is to poke through. And I can definitely hear that that's the intention with this tone to to poke through just a little bit. It's one of those cases where yeah, like you said, solo. You're like ooh, and uh, you know, it, it's not um. It's very mid rangey but that is the point because in in its function, that's you know, it's doing its it's doing its thing. It's going to poke through, which is great. Exactly, but the tone itself, kind of quickly, because it is a bit. I've I've made it a bit complicated on purpose. So it's the go down, goes into the quad cortex, but I'm splitting the signal in a few different ways. So I'm going in, and the first thing basically I'm doing is I'm splitting the bass into two signal paths. First one is everything up to 250 hertz, and I'm basically just compressing the living shit out of it, and then it's being ran into a capture of the dark glass Adam on the clean DI setting. Okay. So that's just a, a big, clean DI. That's basically it. Strongly compressed, turned up quite a bit, and that's just the low end. Then I've got a higher frequencies only section, which I think is at about 600 hertz. So I'm kind of, there's nothing from 3 to 600 hertz. It's gone. It's just not there at all. Um, and that's kind of to leave a bit of room for guitars, a bit of lowest, lower end parts of the vocal, stuff like that. And then from there, it kind of ramps up and there's more and more sort of like drive. So there's a bit of chorus, there's not a bit of chorus on there. There is chorus on the preset though, but not chorus on that. So... The main thing you hear in there is, you know, I was saying before how the quad cortex has pedals in it, not just captures actual pedals. There's a B3K in there. So essentially, this is there's a dark glass B3K in there, blends on like four, drives on six, the bite and the uh, grunt switches are on, and the tone and the level are on like 12. So they're kind of like neutral. And then those two signals join together and meet an SVT into an 810 and then there's some more compression and then off it goes so that's kind that's kind of it really so when you think about it it's kind of the exact same as owning something like a dark glass x7 or an x ultra pedal yeah that kind of like split it up compress the low end overdrive the high end 
into an SVT, and then into an 810, and off it goes. But the preset's really, exactly, and the preset's quite cool, because it kind of lends to the strengths of the quad cortex, because before it hits that SVT section, it's been split, and the split is going to go to a an output where I can plug a jack a jack cable in, and that's going to go to my amp. Okay. So I can have on stage. I so on stage I have the illusion of a pedal board into an amp, but what the front of house get is a nice consistent capture of an SVT into an eight ten, and they get a separate signal to mess around with. So I can, and this is really helpful I think when you have your own amp on stage because I can do whatever I want with my amp and it doesn't affect the front of house so if they think there's way too much mid-range in the front of house not a problem scoop the crap out of it whatever works for your system in the room great I want loads of mid-range on stage so I can hear myself so I can crank the mids on my amp and have it at a volume which is just loud enough to hear me and it's fine yeah, love that. And I'm never gonna, never gonna mess around. So as long as I'm not overpowering the PA, or I'm not bleeding into a microphone, I can have it as loud as I want, quiet as I want, and do whatever the heck I want with a bass amp. That's why I kind of find, like, I always feel like uh, I wasn't that interested in bass amps, but I actually find it really interesting how we approach things differently to guitar players. You know, how we need to think about the DI and what front of house are getting that isn't just the tone coming out. We're almost at a, bit, a higher IQ than guitar players, I think, because we have to think about these things and not, and not just, what's coming out my app? Uh, more. I just, whatever it is, louder. Oh, yeah, exactly. More! I, I can't, I, I think I'm going to use that meme forever. Yeah, I, I love the sound of that. And it's so, it's interesting because that is so, such a representation, a good representation of what you're trying to achieve with the genre of music as well, because it's like classic rock but then a bit spicier, a bit heavier. And that's exactly what you've done with your tone. You've gone for like a vintage setup almost with the bass with flats. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure if you're using that one live, but for this tone in particular. Well, for this tone in particular, I am. Um, with this artist, I'll be using the Dingwall. Okay. Which is quite funny because, again, it's classic rock because the other two guys are using like these nice kind of like Les Paul style guitars. They're not actual Les... They're not Les Pauls. They're by like these other custom-made companies that they really like, a couple of strats, tellies. When I went to the first rehearsal with a... Um, I didn't even bring the quad cortex to the first rehearsal. It was just the dark glass amp straight into a cab. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, you brought a dingwall! And then we are just sort of saying, like, it sounds great. Um, the reason why the dingwall isn't on this recording is the strings are just too old on the dingwall now. It's just... It just sounds like crap, unfortunately because they're just too old. I'm going to try boiling them tomorrow. Oh, the classic. And seeing if that just zings them to life for a, for a gig I've got this weekend. Yeah. But it does need new strings. Nice. But but even with the amp setup, you know, you're it's a vintage sounding amp, but then you're doing more modern things with it. So, yeah, it's cool. Well, yeah, of course, like I'm doing the I'm doing the split and grit. Yeah. kind of approach, which works really well. I think whenever I have a live thing, I try to do that. Yeah. Because that low end is so, just so important. And usually people are kind of hearing that low end and feeling that low end more than they're hearing me, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, they're, they're hearing a mix of the guitars as well with you, you know. Yeah, because that upper register, you know, you know, you're kind of 1K to 3K, for example, I've got to fight with guitars, cymbals, vocals, 
And most of the time, I would say nine times out of 10, you're better off complementing those other instruments and just getting out of the way. Yeah. So for example, at this next rehearsal, if we find out it's too pokey in that upper register, that 4K, 2K kind of range, I need to dip it and get out of the way because bass players, there's one really important thing you all need to be aware of, and this will happen to you. I don't care who you are. Let's say you've got a really great bass tone, as in from zero hertz to 20,000 hertz, it's perfect. Let's pretend it's, well, it's almost perfect. You've got great low end, mid-range is good. You get to the treble, let's say you've got an active bass, new strings, it's a little bit pokey in the 2 to 3k range, so it's a bit too bitey. Let me explain what's going to happen. The sound engineer is not going to carve out 2 to 3k. He is not going to EQ that problem out unless it's at a big venue with a proper sound engineer. He's just going to turn you down. He's just going to turn you down. No one's going to hear you. The band isn't going to sound as good. And you're going to get off stage and loads of people are going to go, yeah, it was really good. Couldn't hear you for some reason. Even though what you have given him from all the way in the lows to, let's pretend, the mid-range was utterly perfect. Like the best bass tone you've ever heard. Just because there's a bit of treble that's that's biting with the guitars or getting in the way of the vocal, until you're at a level where you've got your own sound engineer or someone who, unfortunately, someone who gives a shit, they're just going to turn you down. Yeah. Turn you off. It's great advice. Great advice. Great advice. Um, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff like that with the new amp I get. I'm getting a dark glass um, exponent, the E500, and you can do all sorts with that, with different routing and splitting out to the specifically the di which will have a cab sim on it uh, and not in the you know the main one so you kind of treat your amp sound and your di sound totally separately so yeah that's great advice i think exactly and to follow on that really quickly this is um this is granddad eric who gave me this advice grand granddad eric who's probably only slightly older than both of us you know our old man shouts at clouds Eric sends me like presets to have a go at, or I download the ones that he sticks in his videos just to kind of go, oh, it sounds great for Eric. Will it sound great for me? Uh. And nine times out of the ten, yeah. Like I've done loads of weddings where I've been in a pinch. The preset I've made sounds like shit. And I've just gone on the cloud, downloaded just the latest thing Eric's uploaded, stuck it on the quad cortex, you know, tethering it to my phone for the Wi-Fi, and done the gig and gone, I sounded great with no tweaking. And the secret is the high-pass and low-pass filter at the end of the chain. Okay. So if you've got that problem where it's just too bright, or it might be too bright, in the sound check, if you kind of get that vibe, the only thing you should do is get a filter on that high end and knock it down to, like, 3K, for example, which is still... There's still a lot of stuff above 3K that could be really cool, but just try that, and you'd be surprised how happy sound engineers are all of a sudden. Because you're not a problem anymore, or even go down to 2K. I've gone down to 1500 hertz once, and on stage I've been like, this sounds rubbish. There's no treble, there's no pick attack. And then we've been on stage, or people have spoken to me after the gig and just gone, that sounded amazing. Because the bass, the, so the front of house guy can just turn your fader up and down. And it doesn't matter, you're in your own little pocket of frequency spectrum. He said the thing. You're in the pocket. Nice. Exactly. So I do that a lot. I'll find like the tone that you, you've you all heard today. On Saturday when I've got my gig, I may be rolling everything above 2K off 
and it'll just be loads of low end with a tiny bit of bite on the top, tiny bit. It all depends just where you're filling the gap in that mix in the room. And this changes from room to room and gig to gig. And so it's not just a, right, set and forget always, you know, it's making those little tweaks. So exactly. Amazing, Amazing insight and yeah, great sounding tone that I can really hear playing its role within that mix. So thank you so much, Chris. Let's move on to the next segment. It's time for the big bass debate. Wow, look how big it is. It's a big one. It is big. It is a big one today. This is an absolute stonker of a subject. This, we're at the one hour mark, roughly. This is going to be a three hour podcast. You'll see. It's, ju- it's it, We're going full Joe Rogan. Um, I'm very happy with whoever submitted this. Incredibly happy. Uh, Jonathan Dibble. What annoys you about bass players? Oh, my God. Everything. <laughs> and, and what's funny is I'm probably guilty of all of them whilst hating it as well. Um, Can't relate. So there's, you know, oh, God, where to start? Um, we're lovely folk, aren't we, you know? But sometimes, and often, so my realm of operating with other bass players a lot of the time, especially recently, is online. And my God, that is a whole other realm of things that annoy me about bass players. Jeez. Um, Then there are several like stereotypical topics that come up within this. So people that flip in gatekeep, like, no. It's got to be a four string. Can't have a five string. What? Flats. It's got to be flats. It's these people that just, they have their own agenda and opinion on what sounds good as a tone. And they're just like living their life with blinkers or tunnel vision, just being like, I hate to break into you. That's a musician thing, not a <laughs> well, bass player thing. But the specific bass player topics within that, it's just my biggest pain in the ass. What? else annoys me about some players sometimes is unnecessary showboating um and i mean that in terms of like fiddly playing i've heard several bass players before do things that just do not serve the song and are too i'm gonna say selfish (laughs) because they want the limelight and you know we suffer with that we're often at the back forgotten sometimes we want that limelight but for me my favorite bass players are ones that sit really well and then have these occasional moments even if it's just a little fill they're like oh it really brings you into the next segment and really gels with the drummer because that's you know i'm no i'm no like showy bass player like a show a showboating technical guy um and i'm perfectly fine with that because i think there is you know some of the best bass lines in the world are super super simple um and you know i love that some you know, less is more in a lot of cases sometimes. So one of the main things that annoys me is when bass players don't know their flipping place. And that sounds like a non-bass player thing to say to bass players. But it is true sometimes that, you you know, in 90% of circumstances, you need to, to play your role and not just go wild, uh, which I've seen some people do. Well, it's like, how many times have I said, we are best supporting actor? Yeah. That's the point, because if you if you overplay, and it's not in the right spot, I mean, you know, there's time, there's absolutely a time and a place for it. But if you overplay and don't pull it off, 
you look worse than everyone else. Seriously, you always look worse than everyone else. Always. Like, you always look like you've got egg on your face compared to everyone else. Guitarists can overplay. Not all the time. Like, I've played with a lot of guitarists who really overplay. Singers who have to go full Mariah Carey every eight bars. Luckily, I don't gig with many drummers who overplay. Luckily, I'm quite, I've been quite lucky where I haven't had that. I do gig with one, do gig with one act semi regularly where their drummer overplays, but he pulls it off. Yeah. And it's kind of like, the, like the fact he overplays everything is good. That's that's one of the cases why I actually quite enjoy overplaying sometimes, especially as we have quite close relationships with drummers. Those little feels can sometimes. Overplaying drummers can sometimes be that we can overplay a little bit to fill in those in those spaces where they are. And to come back around to your point about bass players overplaying, it's like some people, Billy Sheehan always gets a really bad rap for this. And it's like, yeah, Billy Sheehan overplays, but he never makes a mistake. Yeah. It's perfect. And the thing is as well, I think this is a quote from Marcus Miller. It was like, you can do whatever you want, but don't you dare skip on the one. Yeah. He's like... There's no wrong... Oh, no, I think it's Victor Wooten I saw saying... Uh, there was one I... Uh, this might be a different quote. It just reminded me of it. There's one that he said saying there's no wrong note. There's no wrong note, but it's, it's got to fit the groove, you know? And that was like kind of like his thing that he was saying. And Victor Oh, Wooten, is that the one where he just plays in the complete wrong key? And yeah. he's like, sounds right, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Victor Wooten as a player, I love his the way he approaches bass. I don't always love his style of playing. Yeah, it's, me it's too. so removed from me. Um, and yeah, and he's very like solo bass, not like an ensemble thing, I don't think. And that's and that's a different kettle of fish. He's more you know? of like a solo artist kind of thing. Like, you know, him, Doug Wimbish, um, not Marcus Miller, because he's like, like a band guy kind of thing. I have, I have two off the top of my head. I mean, I really could go for hours on this, but... Uh, mainly I could just talk about myself in a self-loathing way and that'd be great I've got two that I'm going to mention one is I'm going to ramp up to the one that actually annoys me so first one bass players who just like stand at the back and don't do anything I thought that too you know the ones that kind of just play into that bass player trope of just being really boring like don't do that like you're still like 20% of the band 30% of the band 20%, 25 whatever. You're still a valuable bit. Like, get into it. Enjoy yourself. You can... Like, I jump around and have a good time, even when I'm playing simple stuff. And I'll tell you, that is 50% of the performance as well. You could have an incredible-sounding band, but if it's not entertaining to watch, like, it's not really... It doesn't bring anything. You are there to entertain. Yes, exactly. And as a bass player stereotypically sometimes some of the things we're playing might be simpler let's say if you're just doing root notes on some things so oh well, how can i bring more value to myself i'll you know i'll bring some entertainment and then some energy what your presence on the stage flows through to the audience you know so you are like you said you are the entertainer uh so you can do that in more ways than just playing i in my originals band i you know give me a wireless i'm out off the stage i'm in i'm in the crowd you know i'm doing things like I've done things like that at gigs loads before and people used to go mad for it and like that was that was my kind of thing I I did bits of backing vocals and in the band I'm in at the minute I don't I don't do any backing vocals currently so I'm like okay what more value can I add I'll I'll be the one to move around the most because those guys are stuck standing still you know so it's just about what kind of thing you're performing and how you can bring more to the table exactly 
But now we move on to the headline act of things that annoy me with bass players. Now, I need to work out how to word this correctly to highlight how annoying, how annoyed it makes me. So this isn't, I'm going to call it overthinking the process. And what I mean is basically acting like you turning an octave pedal on is you revitalizing the entire genre you're playing in. You know, like, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, but these, I know loads of bass players who do this now, where they really lean into this, like, kind of emotion behind this effect and that effect, and I'm sliding down into this, and you'll notice that I go up the octave for that. All of these things are cool. Yes, do that. Sometimes an octave pedal is an amazing shout. Sometimes a bit of chorus is great. Sometimes a little bit of drive is good. Loads of drive is good. What I don't like is when people make it sound like they are like Picasso or Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel. These amazing, you know, like really overhyping what they're doing. Yeah. Yep. We play bass. <laughs> like, let's just let's just be realistic here. We play the instrument where a good gig. Is if they could hear us. <laughs> Nothing else. But do, do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't want this to come across as insensitive and me saying to bass players, you shouldn't use effects. You shouldn't do a bass fill. You shouldn't be creative with your parts. It's nothing like that. It's the people who just lean into it so much. Like the they have to explain every second of the creative process and give it a really intense meaning. When most of the time, it's just a, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll give that a go. Yeah. And it can be that simple. And I think one thing that comes into this as well, and I am so, so guilty of this, is like uh, becoming too reliant on gear itself. Like, there are players that just, (laughs) or like sound great. And I'm like, oh, here on Instagram, like, oh, that sounds amazing. What gear are they using? Go into it. And they're like, yeah, I'm literally just DIing. Just straight from the base. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm so good. Uh, and it's never something that I ever bring myself to do because I've got all these things at my fingertips. I'm like, oh, but I could do this and this and this. Um, and I definitely get lost in that gear world where if something's not sounding good or I'm not sounding good, it's not my fault. It's the gear, you know? And <laughs> yeah. And that's not to say it's an annoying thing about bass players. I, like, again, that's a musician thing. Um, and I, I love gear. So that's just where my mind goes to. But definitely that that just reminded me of that kind of mentality of like well this is going to solve all my problems uh not the yeah. actual play um and sometimes you can really really overcomplicate things um with like too much going on yeah like i'm stacking i'm stacking this overdrive into this and then i've got this low gain fuzz and then i've got a chorus i've got an octave i've got some room reverb i'm running two amps and it's like again we play bass yeah most of the best bass tones ever are literally a DI box and a good player. Which breaks my heart, but it's just so true. <laughs> well, it shouldn't break our hearts. We should be really helpful. We should be really happy with that because we've all got a DI box. Fantastic. And whenever, do you know what? Whenever I just plug into the DI, like I did a re- Instagram reel yesterday of a fretless versus a fret bass, and it's literally just the um, Origin Effects bass rig DI, and it is cab sim on there as well, preamp. But it's so, it's quite, it's not bland sounding, but it's just 
that's what it is. Here's like, it's a DI type sound. It sounds great, man. Like, I loved it. And I was like, just so having so much fun with it. And then my normal setup is like, this distortion, this compressor, this EQ, you know, there's loads to it. And I'm like, but at least my gripe, what annoys me is at least you don't act like it's like, I'm adding the Alpha Omega. And in, with just a little tickle of 2.16k <laughs> to really bring out the sizzle and the emotion and the aggression of the part. And then I'm going into this to create this authentic valve warmth. So, you know, you're yeah. making it sound like you're reading a bloody, this is not just MS based <laughs> You know, all those kind of things. It's that, it's that that does my head in. Like, you can't just go, that sounds cool. I'll turn that on. Why not? And like, what? annoys me about when people like demo stuff like that as well um so anderton's do this not so much anymore but they used to do it really bad is starting the demo with like playing this there's a couple of elements to this one two basses playing at once how on earth is that useful to anybody it does my head in are um, you selling are you selling equipment to mcbusted <laughs> yeah exactly where we just turn one on and one off <laughs> I de- I uh, right career goal for me. I need to become mates with someone who knows someone to be like, it is one off and one on, isn't it? Come on, and and then knowing knowing the way big established acts play, I wouldn't be surprised if they go. No, both of them are mimed. <laughs> yeah, both. Off. Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't. Be- I've I've mimed at gigs. It was great. Wow. Yeah, impressive. So I hate I hate two bases. Like, don't demo that. Sounds bad. Um, well, sometimes it can sound nice, but like uh, it's just not useful. It's not relevant to the real no, world. No, is no, it? no, no. Uh, again, it comes into an overplaying of like, oh, let's uh, see how this um this cheap three hundred pounds P bass sounds, <laughs> and they just do this like, insane playing. You're like ninety percent of people that is just unachievable, and of course it sounds cool because you're playing it like that, which is just unrealistic. And the last thing is when so I've been in the in the amp market at the minute i want a new amp and they say oh let's listen to this amp i'm going through this three thousand pounds custom made bass uh with uh, this 20 band preamp that's on it and i'm like no so what am i hearing (laughs) and it's okay to do with that with like a something that is simple there is you know stingray it's got that classic sound but for something i've seen loads of like custom stuff where you just don't know what's going on electronically so you don't know what you're hearing there is a an amazing demo of the Dark Glass Alpha Omega with Nolly playing it. And it sounds unbelievable. Like, some of the best bass tones I've ever heard. When you go into this, the description of the video, it says it's the, the Dark Glass DI'd into user interface and then processed with... Are you ready for this? Third-party IR. Come on. Compression an eq come on so basically it could sound like anything and also and also i'm pretty sure it's nolly who mixed it and he could probably sample one of my farts and make it sound like the best bass tone you've ever heard 100 percent. and when i saw that i was like right so there was no point in me watching that demo here's the settings i did for this it doesn't matter like and i say at the start of every podcast i'm a totally average player and i get criticisms in some of my videos sometimes because they're like mate Someone someone commented this week saying your video editing is better than your playing. <laughs> I was like, I agree. I it is. kind of agree. And I suck sometimes and that's fine. And it's actually, it gives you a more rounded 
they are just excuses. You play more like the normal bass player than what you see on a lot of demo videos. Like, there's so many videos... That, that is another gripe of mine, like, slapping in demo videos. And I know you do it, and I'm sorry, you do a bit. But I mean, it's like the main example is... Yeah. Like, the proper double-thumb crazy stuff. And I'm like... I reckon I did about somewhere between 18 and 100 gigs last year. No, I definitely did more than that. I reckon I did over 100 gigs last year, give or take. Um, how many times do you reckon I got asked to slap? Have a guess. Because I can tell you because I remembered. Uh, is it between one and zero? It's three. Three? Oh, wow. That's triple what I thought. It's three times. Um, there was one in summer. One in the gap between Christmas and New Year's Eve, and New Year's Eve. Wow. Because, and it was, and I'll get you this right, it was with the same band, in the same song, and they literally just went, do as a bass solo, and I thought, well, I'm going to have to do some sort of slap, and I'm not even, I'm re, I'm really bad at slap bass, because I don't need to know how to do it. Yeah. I'm sure I will at some point. I'd like to learn, like, the double thumb kind of metal thing. I'd like to learn how to do that. Until someone asks me how to do it, I'm not going to learn it. Don't need to. It's irrelevant. It's useless. I, my slap technique is so really wrong. So, and people often tell me this, of course, because it's the internet. Because I slap my thumb up, um, which apparently is how Flea kind of does it. Uh, sorry, sorry, no, that's right. I just do it with my thumb down. It's not wrong. No, well, no, that's what I always say. It's not wrong. It's just different. No, it's just a different style. Like, yeah, Flea slaps with his thumb down. Yeah. That's because the angle of his bass. I slap with my thumb down. I'm trying to learn to slap with my thumb up. Yeah. Because it seems to be a bit cleaner. You get more of the note instead of a slap noise. But it's, but, are you really going to go up to Flea and go, not very good, mate, are you? <laughs> exactly. And I, I think it's stupid to criticize people for that. Having said that, we've just criticized people for, for their playing techniques. But that's out, that's in context of what they're trying to demonstrate. So, yeah, noise. And also, you and I are both pick players, you know, we love playing with a good pick, um, lots of attack, and it annoys the hell out of me, and I get it, because we're probably a minority, uh, when people are like, right, now let's hear what it sounds like with a pick. I like palm mute it really lightly, yeah. and I'm like, oh, no, I wanted to hear like it aggressively. Um, and that's what I, one of the things I wanted to bring with my channel, because I was like... There's such an under-representation of people doing that for high-quality demos. So I couldn't agree more. I think that's a, a decent amount of stuff we hate about bass players. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, really. Um, no, that main one really is kind of over-hyping the process, like they're like a, a renaissance painter, when realistically we play bass. I'd actually know I've got a better reason why that's a problem. Let's say you're running a really good octave, a really good fuzz, uh, an overdrive as well, a chorus, a delay doing loads of loads of things yeah it comes back to my point about your tone being too bright unless you're playing in a big venue with good sound engineers who know what you're trying to give them they will just go don't like that and just turn it down yeah you've got to have it nailed because also you don't have time to diagnose a problem if you get in the room and go wow it's way too bassy today you don't have time yeah your sound check is five seconds of playing and then you are done yeah they go yeah getting you fine i'll do what i want with that exactly um and that's like some people will be like i've got like 
three different DIs here. Take them all. And the sound guys are probably like, no. Don't ever give a sound guy a clean DI because he'll just use that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no point you bringing your pedal board because you just go, <laughs> yep, cheers. But I'm going to just sit by the desk and just go straight in. Just play that. Literally, play that. yeah. With a jack lead. Just a, just a patch cable. <laughs> That's exactly why I did weird. Does it sound all right? Yeah, yeah, great. Oh, I'd turn sat, that up for you. Sat on his lap. Literally. I'll mix the band and play. Oh, amazing. More me, please. Ah, lovely. Perfect. Well, I think that brings us to an aircon collusion. Um, let us know. Um, reach out to us on, on socials or, um, well, I suppose that's the only place you can do, um, with what you think is the most annoying thing about bass players. Um, you can reach out to us on Instagram at Johnny Dibble and at that guy on bass. Um, don't forget to go and uh, give us a five star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Um, it really helps us out. Something to do with algorithms, etc., etc. So thank you so much. Um, Chris, anything else you want to tell the people? Uh, nothing at this stage, no. Big things are coming soon, we promise. Yes, they are. Fantastic. Once again, thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,